0: Uh, welcome to Profiles by Chain.io. Uh, I'm Brian Glick, Chain.io's CEO. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different episode. Uh, we have our first-time return guest, Eric Johnson, on
1: the line. How are you, Eric? Uh, I'm doing as well as, I, as can be expected. I think everybody's kind of in a, adjusting to the new world. Yeah, so, so that's what
0: we're going to talk about today. We're going to actually flip it around a little bit, and Eric is going to... Uh, throw some questions at me that hopefully open up some discussions. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit less about the prognostications about the virus or the economy itself, because I think there's a lot of other experts who are way more qualified than the two of us on those two topics uh, and really lean more back into what logistics leaders and logistics IT and tech leaders can do Uh, in the event that this does turn into a prolonged economic downturn uh, and how to manage through that and still look at opportunities uh, to move forward uh, and not end up in a completely defensive situation. Uh, So, Eric, does that sound good
1: to you? Absolutely. It's actually an issue that I've been thinking about a lot in recent days, kind of like, how does this impact uh, potential companies that are either in progress or you know about to embark on some major technology initiative and the the providers that are both you know involved in those initiatives or thinking about themselves like what areas of their business were they going to invest in prior to this happening and what what can be learned from and lessons from the past so definitely a good topic
0: cool so um I guess we'll just dive in then. Yeah, again, this so, one's a little on the fly, so yeah, we'll figure absolutely. it out.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Well, so yeah, I, I get to ask the questions this time. So I'm. I'm, I'm I know much I'm, much I'm struggling, much, struggling with this. Much more comfortable in that role than answering. Uh, so I guess you know everybody's mind when 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 we hear the economic projections, everybody's mind, uh, you know, who's been in the workforce in the last twenty years, kind of flips back to those. Last Black Swan event we had, namely, you know, nine eleven, 11 the economic downturn. I think the economic downturn, especially in, in 08, 07 through 09 really, uh, was probably the most, the clearest kind of match for what we're going through in terms of a lot of the world being impacted at the same time. So, you know, from your perspective, you were kind of, uh, you know, in the thick of things back then. What did you learn in, in 08? That that's transferable to today.
0: Yeah. So uh, a little context on on what my experience was. Uh, I was working for a three PL at the time, uh, running global infrastructure and systems integration, and sort of a lot of the the back office sort of we call it shared services amongst the warehousing and freight divisions. And so uh, in that at that time was team of, I think it was maybe 120 people spread across the globe. And one of the things that happened then that thankfully won't happen in this one is it seemed like an overnight event. It was an instant shift and there was no uh, time to prepare, uh, at least from my perspective then, Uh, especially as a younger leader. uh, I think at the time I was just about 30 and it was a sort of a, a role I was just growing into, and the the day that the CFO sort of walked into the office uh, with the red pen and the org chart and said, "You need to, you know, we need to cut out people because there's just there's just may not be enough cash to go around, and we need to make this happen." And essentially, there was a number, and it was come back with this number by, by the end of the day or the end of the day tomorrow, whatever, whatever the the case may be. I remember it as being the same day, but it it might be a a little over-dramatized. And we were as an IT team, not necessarily prepared for that. Uh, And because we weren't prepared, we went into sort of a denial mode initially of, oh, he can't do that. And, and Uh, you know, we didn't understand the larger business context. And um, we ended up really just having two cut heads because we didn't have an alternative plan or any other path to give them. Um, So one of the big learnings that I took from that was, you know, this is a situation that is a little bit slower, more slowly unfolding, maybe not a lot, uh, but there is time now for people to be sitting down before those conversations happen uh, to say, you know, these are projects that maybe we should reprioritize and, you know, get a faster return by doing them differently. Or, you know, these are suppliers that might give us more favorable terms, or uh, these are projects that could be put on hold or investments that we've made that we don't necessarily need to uh, accelerate and, and really know what your answer is going to be sort of for the small, medium and large ask before it happens, uh, because sort of burying your head in the sand and, and hoping that the CFO never walks into the room is is not a good preparation tool. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think I mentioned, I, I've been kind of like working through this uh, in terms of discussing it with, with buyers of software, as well as listening a little bit to what sellers of software I have to say about kind of how you manage a uh, an, an event like this where there's an intrinsic need for what I presume a lot of people think they're selling, but it's like not the right, necessarily the right time to sell it because people aren't in a position where they can do a long-term kind of RFP, RFP and uh, implementation phase and learn how to use the system right there. Just bailing water, trying to figure out what's next. So h- how like how can leaders at, at logistics companies i technology leaders kind of frame this discussion so that it's not like another thing that people have to deal with but it's actually like no let's just talk about this discrete thing that we do that can help you right now and then we can blow it up bigger when when things calm down
0: yeah well i i think the a big piece of that is having a really clear ROI payback, right? That is really short. So if your product or your project that you want to implement, if you're on the sort of the internal side of it is got a three-year payback, uh, you know, and your company is used to talking about three-year projects, okay, think about a year, right? And if you're used to talking in the terms of a year, you might have to think about things that are immediately cash flow positive, right? And oftentimes a software company can figure out a subset of their functionality or a adjusted pricing model uh, that, that can get you there. Uh, you know, so it may be a question of saying, hey, you know, normally what we do is there's a big license fee up front and it's going to be implemented that way and we're going to move it to more of a transactional thing so that you don't have to have that big cash outlay. Um, you know and and if you're a software vendor, sometimes that actually becomes a more favorable long-term deal uh, than you thought it it might be uh, you know I noticed um, one one of uh, one of our customers who's a software vendor uh, created a free tier last week of their software uh, and you know over that will cost them money initially but over the long haul they have a very sticky product and some of those customers will, Will be retained uh, throughout this, and will ev- they will eventually upsell into a paying product. So there's uh, a lot of things you can do to work with your software vendors to say, "Hey, what can we do immediately?" Um, another sort of thought on top of that is this is a great time to take some of the BS out of your processes and out of your projects. Right? That you know we often get into stakeholder meetings, especially at large organizations, where you know, everyone gets a say at the table and you end up with a feature list uh, and a bunch of modifications that you want from your software vendor, you know, we want this button to be blue and, you know, this thing is not centered and, and so on that you let happen because you need all the stakeholders bought in. Uh, now's the time to say, hey, you know, we had quoted this project as, you know, $250,000 in professional services to do all these modifications. In reality, what we really need in order to get some client-facing business value, so we don't lose our customers, is one percent of that, or ten percent of that, uh, and that can be a really good, healthy thing to cut out some of that fat.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I actually, as we're recording this, I just like an hour ago filed a story about about some of those vendors that are offering <coughs> free versions of their software, and it's you know it's a, it's a fine line between being opportunistic and you know sensing sensing that the market needs something and you know growing your base of customers so i i you know i think well, that- and and
0: i would i would argue that it's a great time to be opportunistic as long as you're creating business value right so there's a you know a, a, a distinction between being entirely self-serving and finding win-win opportunities. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. That just, absolutely. You know, and, you know, I would call sort of call out that, you know, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when TPM was canceled and we at Chain.io sort of hosted a virtual Eldorado that that was very opportunistic to us. And I'm happy to mention it, that it, it was opportunistic from a marketing standpoint, but it also created value for the participants. Right. Right. So. You know, those, that versus sending out a message, you know, sort of an empty message out to your customers that, oh, you know, we're here to support you and then not having any meat behind it. Uh, that's opportunistic, right? That's just using it to create, to put another marketing message out, um, you know, so looking for places and, and everyone's customers, whether that's the shippers to the, to the service providers or the software companies, you um, Feeding to the service providers, everyone's looking for help, right, or guidance. And so, if you can provide create value, um, that's great.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And I, I, there is the point about having some sort of value attached to the opportunistic kind of approach is, I think, really critical. It's like you know, in taking this back to 08 you had. You had those predatory lenders that were offering people zero, you know, mortgages zero down. That was, you know, that was that was being opportunistic. Uh, You know, allowing people right now to refinance a mortgage is is being is taking advantage of a situation and and, you know creating value for for yourself and them. But um, so, you know, in terms of like, what do you think? How do you think the conversation between the logistics tech providers right now is changing with the market that they're trying to serve compared to what it was a month ago. Like what, what is the, what's sort of like the introductory discussion right now? I mean, obviously COVID has replaced talking about the weather as the first thing we all talk about, but like when you get to actual, what, what is this going to do to help a specific thing that you need help with? What how has that changed at all? Do you think in the last, well, I, I think that for us,
0: It hasn't quite yet, but where I would uh, venture that these conversations are headed is that all of us who have wonderful features in our products are going to have to not be so proud of those features and get right to the point, Mm -hmm. right? And the point is I can save you money by doing X or I can create revenue for you by doing Y, right? And that essentially what I've Seen, you know, you know, and, and I would even go back to the dot com boom and, you know, in the the early 2000s and the bust there that you, if, if you made a lot of those companies, you know, pets.com and what have you prove their business value in their first sentence, they would have never gotten out of the gate. Um, you know, and I think that there's a really that shift will invariably happens in any of these cycles where you know people love to shop when they have a lot of when they have a lot of time and a lot of money and when you don't, you want to walk in the store and say, okay yeah that thing's going to cut my lawn and it's something I can afford so I will buy that lawnmower uh, and, and we're all going to need to sell our products with business value as the lead and all of the really cool engineering tricks and you know features uh,
1: as as trailing behind that. So that's interesting. As you were talking, I was thinking, okay, so the last five years we've been in the situation where the, the market, the underlying economy has been really strong, growing and growing. The market is obvious, was obviously through the roof. Um, you had a ton of capital being deployed into logistics technology startups. Um, you had a, a pretty frothy market even in the private equity world around logistics companies. So essentially, you had a lot of companies being supported in one way or another without any, you know, obviously, some of them were failing and not being funded, but they they were getting an opportunity to to be funded initially. And now we're in a situation where that's probably going to be curtailed a bit. And companies are not going to be able to kind of, to your point, develop this campaign around what your supply chain is going to look like in five years or it's going to be more about like old school what can i do for you right now you know kind of like that the selling that forwarders do and the selling that you know software providers in years past might have done um that didn't that doesn't feel like what what companies have been talking about now i mean i digital transformation it seems like is not going to be a word that's a phrase that's said a lot over the rest of 2020 so i think i i I don't want to
0: be unfair to most of the software startups that are out there because uh you know probably you and i probably spend the most time with them maybe outside of the vcs but maybe even including them you know across the industry because we do so much connectivity and and obviously it's your job um but uh I don't think there are a lot of software companies out there that I've encountered that have no business model uh, or have no value proposition. Uh, you know, I remember seeing those companies in my life in other industries and, you know, you're like, you know, what the hell is this thing and and why would anybody ever pay for it? Um, I don't see a lot of companies doing that in our space. I do see, uh, you know, a handful where there's probably a little oversaturation in certain Certain segments, there's too many companies, and you know the ones that are not already at market might have trouble getting some traction. Uh, but I think maybe what's more relevant is that those companies are, like you said, they're not going to be able to just go to an innovation team and say, "Buy this and play with it, and we'll figure out if you like it, and then we'll tune our product so that you, by the end of the POC, you like it." They're going to have to come in and say, "You know, I." this thing works already today and it 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 will deliver this value and and i may even be asked to put some uh you know some cash behind that or some you know take a gain share or something like
1: that right so and relevant to you it needs to be integratable like in in an extremely short time frame this can't be something yeah it needs it needs to, it needs to just, just be yeah it line can't line be
0: yeah. And, and a big piece of that also is I don't think, you know, so the if you have a product that says, hey, we need this organization to globally change the way they function to use this product. You know, it's this massive five-year innovation. You know, I do, I think those are going to be tough. And if you can find a subset of the product features that could be deployed at a office or regional level or self-adopted or, you know, like I'm thinking if I had a massive, and I'm just making this up, but I had this massive route optimization and allocation engine that was going to be fully integrated into the organization and do all of this work and do all these analytics. And I could go in and say, hey, here's a tool that you can give to all of your planners or all of your, your station managers that is 30% of that functionality and it's going to get them an immediate benefit. And you can upload all of your data from a spreadsheet and you don't even need to call Chain IO. Um, you know, that's the sale I'd be trying to make right now, Yeah, so, interesting. but still please call us, but
1: just, <laughs> um, oh, so let's wrap up quickly. Uh, what do you, what do you think are some hidden opportunities out there that, um, you know, maybe things that you saw happen with 2020 hindsight uh, out of the last downturn? Uh,
0: I think the biggest one is growing with your existing clients right? Going into your existing client and saying, Hey, you know, I really want to do something adjacent with them. Something that is, you know, where I might want to stretch my wings a little, Uh, they're going to be much more comfortable expanding with an existing vendor than going through the process of bringing in someone new. So if you have some adjacencies in your market, uh, you know, you're doing, you're doing rates, but you're not doing quotes, right? That kind of thing. Like now's the time to get into those customers. Uh, And then the other is, you know, I'm always reminded that, uh, Mark Benioff said that his biggest regret in in that last downturn was not hiring more salespeople. So a lot of companies will pull back, and if you have the cash to deploy, uh, now is a great time to get in while other people might be hesitating and go after and get things.
1: Uh, interesting. On that on that first point about the adjacency, is it also an opportunity? Because I mean, I write about this a lot. You kind of enable this a lot. Is it also an opportunity where I have an existing customer in the last two years, I've created three different integration uh, partners through integration and put that in front of a customer, it, you know, even if you don't have the capability, is that like more kind of showtime ready these days than it was 10 years ago? Um, I think so. I'm not exactly
0: following what you were you're getting at so,
1: there. in other words, you, I mean, you're saying, okay, I have an adjacent, I, I can sell more into an existing customer now uh, because they they trust me. Uh, that's an opportunity potentially. I'm saying if you have a, if you have, if you've set up three different partnerships with other software providers. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. For that ancillary so, stuff that you didn't want to build, is that similarly an opportunity now?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, I think if if you can walk a partner in the door with you and say, hey, you know, we can save you X or create Y together. And before that was, hey, you know, we're going to go through a whole RFP process and we consider that a different market. Now they may, you know, a customer may be much more willing to say, hey, you know, I can't sign a new contract with that partner, but if you are willing to include their functionality in your contract, I can expand it a little or I can, you know, do something in that space if it's going to save us money. And so, yeah, walking partners in the door is is definitely
1: a piece of that. Cool. So. Yeah. Well, hopefully this was uh, helpful. I I uh, yeah. always learned a lot.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Happy. You know. Happy to have you on, and uh, hopefully we won't do another one of these
1: real soon. So yeah, and it, and in and in not, not on this topic And in, in, in the alternate universe, Barcelona held on, and won the won the league this year. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think I think um we will uh hopefully let let's do one in 3 months where we talk about how Brian and Eric were overreacting and everything turned out fine. That would be fantastic. All right. Thanks uh thanks so much for for being on today and uh we will catch up with you soon.
1: Yeah, thanks Brian. Appreciate it.